Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome Gabe on Jerry of Arch Grants. But before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. First, Enterprise Bank and Trust, Synchrony HR, NWO IT Services, Go Brand Go, The Tom James Company, and Edward Jones. And now, this week's episode with Gabe. Gabe Angieri, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you joining me today. Thanks, Brian. It's a pleasure, pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Well, we uh, were able to connect over LinkedIn. And so I'm um, excited to have you on here today to kind of talk to you about your, kind of your career as well as Arch Grants. And so let's kind of start there. Talk to us about growing up, uh, where you grew up, and what that was like for you. Sure. So uh, born in, in New York, um, but grew up, spent most of my childhood in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Uh, just the western suburb of Minneapolis. So I uh, was one of ultimately eight kids, but grew up with six or seven um, uh, of my of my siblings. And so it was a busy house, uh, eight to nine people throughout most of my childhood. And it was, uh, yeah, it was very exciting. But I had the good fortune of, of growing up in a time when uh, it was the old rule that you could stay out till the light, uh, street lights came on. And wasn't bogged down by cell phones or any of that stuff. And uh, just had a really, really great uh, experience growing up outside the Twin Cities. Yeah, I have two kids. I cannot imagine your parents having eight. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, some, some, it was a true modern family for that time. It was uh, two, two uh, mixed, uh, mixed families. Sure. Uh, first marriage, second marriage, uh, ultimately having seven siblings. But, um, but yeah, it was it was very exciting, and uh, I have five younger sisters now, uh, ranging from just younger than me, uh, 30, 35, 36, to eleven years old. Wow! Uh, so it's uh, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, what brought you to St. Louis? Sure. So uh, I actually have pretty deep roots in St. Louis. My mother was born here. Um, uh, my grandfather, who I never had the opportunity to meet was a director of surgery at uh, the old Deaconess hospital over in forest park. And, um, you know, so family uh, roots ran deep here towards the end of my high school journey. Um, my mother decided to move the family down to St. Louis to be closer to her brother who was a quadriplegic and needed some, um, extra care in his final, uh, final few years. So, uh, moved down here at the tail end of high school, went from, a 
pretty big public school, uh, Hopkins High School in, in Minneapolis, to uh, Maplewood High School in uh, in Maplewood. So it was, it was going from a class size of about seven eight hundred kids um, in per grade to a class size of I think fifty four in our graduating class. Oh wow! Uh, so it was a big sea change, but um, yeah, ended up meeting my wife in high school, my future wife in high school. Uh, we started a family pretty young and as they say, it's like, once you marry a St. Louis girl, it's, it's hard to, uh, hard to leave. <laughs> hard to leave. Yeah. So, Absolutely. uh, been here for the last, uh, roughly 21 years. Wow. Wow. That's a really cool story. So talk to us about arch grants. Tell us kind of how your path to get there uh, was. And then for those who don't know, tell us what arch grants is. Sure. So Arch Grants is a 501c3 nonprofit, which just means that we can accept uh, charitable gifts um, and donors can take a tax deduction on charitable gifts made to the organization. Um, we are governed by an independent board of directors, uh, none of whom take any um, have any stake in the organization. They are key volunteers. Um, they do support the organization as part of their board obligation, but serve as the fiduciaries and governance body for, for Arch Grants. And we were founded in 2011, uh, began funding companies in 2012, really the first nonprofit of our kind to give out uh, non-dilutive capital in these grants in the form of grants to for-profit companies in exchange for a one-year commitment to headquarter in St. Louis. So coming out of a nonprofit management uh, graduate program at WashU, it was fairly um, unique to me to hear about an organization that raised philanthropic dollars to give to for-profit companies. Uh, it's still very unique, although we still we have seen some uh, similar organizations sprout up around the country. But our goal is really to create um, high impact, high um, growth, uh, economic development in St. Louis uh, through innovation and entrepreneurship. Uh, so we conduct a uh, global startup competition. We target companies, recruit companies from all over the world primarily from the U.S. and uh, from the St. Louis area, but we see about 10 to 15% international companies year over year. Uh, we engage them in a pretty rigorous competition uh, involving over 250 community volunteers in a six-month vetting process, uh, ultimately selecting uh, roughly 20 companies per year to fund with these, what were previously $50,000, now $75,000 grants um, baseline, and then we do another $25,000 starting this year for relocation grants uh, to companies that move to St. Louis from outside of St. Louis. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit more about the vetting process there, right? So you, because I got to imagine to your point, that's got to be pretty extensive to, to boil, you know, however many companies down to 20. What does that process look like? If somebody wants to do companies apply to you, do you guys seek out those companies? What, you know, what qualifies it? Is it industry-wide? Um, how, how's that yeah. work? So we're industry agnostic, so we'll field applications from pretty much every sector. Um, any any high impact, innovative company uh, that is deemed viable and scalable is welcome to apply. They do need to have some sort of tech component, so that uh, could be as simple as having an e-commerce uh, platform for their product or service. Uh, but the companies that we fund um, typically come from the uh, B2B enterprise SaaS space. We're seeing a, an influx of more applications around consumer packaged goods uh, with uh, projects like NGA West and um, and the Taylor Geospatial Institute. We've seen an, uh, an increase in geospatial targeted companies. And 
once they apply to the program, uh, we go through as a staff and just make sure that they're actually a for-profit company, that they're uh, incorporated. Um, you might be amazed how many companies we get from Delaware, uh, but pretty much you know, every company uh, every company that comes in the program has to be, or into the process has to be um, vetted at the staff level, uh, that they meet the minimum eligibility criteria. Then we push out to about 250 volunteer judges online each judge takes 10 to 12 applications, scores them, gives feedback in that process. Um, and then based on those scores, we push through about 100, 125 companies to a semifinalist round um, where staff does another round of due diligence. We collect additional information, financial documents, uh, pitch videos, et cetera. And then uh, based on those scores from the original round, and assuming they meet the criteria at the semifinalist round, the due diligence phase, then we invite the top 65 um, roughly companies to finalist pitch day, which is actually taking place. Um, I think this will air after the fact, but on this coming Thursday, August 11th at St. Louis um, uh, Shaped School of Business. Oh, wow. That's so, yeah, really kind of a, a cool little system or process that you guys have in place there to kind of whittle those down to, you know, those companies. It's um, that's very neat. Talk to us, obviously, you know, you, you ha, I would have, say, have your finger uh, on the pulse of the economy here in the St. Louis market, right? Um, you know, maybe not as, you know, with the, with the, with the growing um, companies and startup companies and, and, you know, the way you're involved in that. Um, where do you see the economy here in St. Louis at today? And where do you see it going? Do you, do you see us continuing to, tr you know, to try to be this hub for startups that we've, we, that I feel like we have, we've tried to be over the last several years, you know, you got Cortex, you got T-Rex, you got all these, um, these places that are innovative type uh, institutes. And then you have, you guys that have, have obviously have your guys' organization who kind of help with all of that. So talk us a little bit about that. Yeah, so from uh, my vantage point and, and spending all the last six years um, uh, in this space uh, where I've been at Arch Grants, I, I've seen enormous amount of activity in the last two to three years, uh, particularly, you know, even as the pandemic was was hitting us, lots of investment um, uh, through the geospatial project that I mentioned earlier, the uh, National Geospatial um, uh, West Campus. Uh, that is a huge boon for this local economy. Um, things like Greater STL, the convergence of five of the major economic development organizations in the city of St. Louis coming together under one banner. That is a incredible sign of a huge fan of, of Jason Hall and the work and his team, uh, the work his team is doing there. Um, I think there are some major issues that we as a city, as a region really need to work out. Um, we still see um, a lot of issues, particularly downtown in the city, um, in terms of infrastructure, uh, education, I'm very hopeful. Uh, Mayor Jones coming into the coming into her new role, um, inspired by her uh, by her vision about making St. Louis work not just for businesses but also for the people that live here. Um, you can't have a thriving region without a thriving downtown. Uh, something yeah. I think we learned the hard way over the last few decades. And from Arch Grant's perspective, continuing to invest in the downtown area specifically. Part of our founding vision, uh, the reason that we were actually able to get a nonprofit charter was because we were focused in downtown economic development. And St. Louis, uh, the city of St. Louis has been economically depressed area for uh, a long time. And the IRS recognized the, the, um, the importance of making investments in the downtown area through innovation entrepreneurship. So I think what we're doing at Arch Grants um, 
really accelerated some work that early partners at Cortex, um, at BioSTL, down at the Plant Science Center and others, uh, it really just accelerated the work that had been going on in the bio life science space where we broadened that we started recruiting companies from um, a much, uh, you know, from different markets, focused on different areas. Um, and we've seen tremendous success from some of our portfolio companies really expanded St. Louis outside of just bio life science, but also into the tech space, into the consumer packaged goods space. Um, and uh, and some of these companies are real job creators and put the St. Louis on a map in a big way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, you know, I don't know when the city of like downtown started going downhill, I guess is a way to put it. Um, because I can remember growing up as a kid, I grew up here in, in the St. Louis area. Um, downtown was a booming, thriving downtown area at, uh, when I was growing up. Um, and it's slowly over the years kind of just, you know, went downhill. My mom actually worked at the AT&T building that now sets empty, empty, uh, downtown for pretty much her entire career. Um, and I agree that you can't have a, a thriving community without a good downtown area. And I think, you know, I think there's obviously some issues that we won't get in here into today on this uh, particular episode about the downtown area, but, um, you know, crime being one of those issues uh, that needs to obviously be resolved, but also we have to, you know, we have to have people who are committed to, to revitalizing that area as well. And I think things like what you're doing um, and, you know, there's other organizations like yourselves that are, their main focus is trying to revitalize our downtown area, nonprofits. Um, and then, you know, the for-profit organizations that are down there are also working with the, you know, St. Louis Regional Chamber and other areas to try to revitalize that area. And I think the more that we can invest in that downtown area, the better it's going to be for the whole region of St. Louis. I know there's been lots of talks in the past about combining the city and the county and would that help? Um, and, you know, that's been on the table for years, but never really got gone anywhere. But um, hopefully, hopefully over the next several years, things will change. And I agree. I'm, I'm optimistic that um, that it will. Yeah, and I share in that optimism. I think the uh, one of the key uh, ways that Arch Grants sees itself playing a role in economic development in, in St. Louis City in particular, but also the region, is in uh, respect to diversity of the companies that we fund and making sure that our cohorts annually uh, you know, most closely reflect the rich diversity that is this, in this community. Um, you know, 69% of the companies we funded, so we've funded over 200 companies since 2012, 69% of those companies are led by, are co-led by a woman, a person of color, an immigrant or veteran. Um, and I can tell you, um, veterans are, are a small but growing percentage of that, of that um, breakdown. And, and now we're, we're asking ourselves, how do we better um, implement support structures targeted at companies funded by diverse or uh, led by diverse teams? And I think we have a lot of ways to go in that respect. Uh, St. Louis, I think, has an opportunity to stand out nationally as a place for companies led by uh, diverse teams to really thrive. And, and you know, if we're going to make our mark nationally, I think that's one way we can do it. And we've seen a lot of interest. Uh, there are a lot of really dynamic teams. And I think one of the um, one of the best bellwethers for that is, is last year's competition. Over half of the companies we funded were led by people of color, um, immigrants, and, and women. So um, we're seeing a growing trend in, the, in who applies to our process. It's not something that happened um, of its own. We've worked hard as an organization to diversify our judge pool to make sure that um, our messaging and recruitment efforts are not relying on on um, on old ways of thinking or, or 
progressive um, communication styles and just really pushing ourselves to constantly improve in these areas. But, um, you know, for me, I think the coming to St. Louis as a, as a, as a non-native um, roughly 20 years, uh, 20 years ago, um, I think this, this region has so much to offer. The city has so much to offer. Um, I think we get up on issues like um, crime, not to, not to minimize um, uh, the crime issue in St. Louis, but um, it's kind of a chicken or the egg situation. You know, every big city has crime issues. Um, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, you know, uh, you name it, uh, Minneapolis, you know, there, there are crime issues. Yep. Uh, it's a, it's a question of density and this question. We really have to ask ourselves the tough questions um, that have, have, done a lot of damage over the past few decades like why is the city empty um, you know why why did people um, exit the city in mass decades ago and I think when we start looking at those answers and taking real steps to address them uh, this city will be in a much better spot uh, yeah. going forward yeah well I think well whatever anybody can do to help revitalize the city was is is um, is good for all of us so I yeah I totally agree with that and now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank & Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Let's switch gears here a little bit and let's talk a little bit about leadership. Talk to me about kind of your role as the executive director of Arch Grants and how you lead your current staff there and what your views are on leadership. Sure. So I think uh, core to my approach to leadership is to um, try to reflect um, um, humility, to ask ourselves you know, why, uh, why are we doing what we're doing? Uh, is this because we've We've always done it this way, or is this is this something that really gets at our uh, our core objectives and and really in, uh, uh, encouraging that uh, that generative tension that I think exists in really successful teams. Um, uh, you know, there's a book about um, Abraham Lincoln's uh, cabinet. Uh, you know, the team of rivals. Doris um, Goodwin wrote, and I think when you have people that reflect different ideas that can argue uh, with each other in a respectful but uh, ultimately generative way, you get much better results. So part of my uh, leadership is, is definitely centered on encouraging uh, encouraging new ideas, encouraging generative discussion. Um, you know, there's no stupid there's no stupid questions here. It's it's always stupid if you don't ask it, um, and uh, and that really frames my my approach to this team. I think um, you know, bigger picture as an organization, as an organization, asking ourselves if we're reflecting uh, the principles that, um, that the innovation sector, the entrepreneurship, um, must closely embody. So, are we risk tolerant? Are we willing to fail? A risk failure? Um, you know, how do we bounce back if something doesn't go as planned? How, how are we thinking about not just what's ahead in the next six months or one year, but you know? what's going to be two, three, five years down the road. And uh, just coming into the role a few months ago, but being with the organization for a number of years, um, I certainly have some ideas around that, but uh, really excited to drive them forward in the coming coming months. Yeah. So where, let me ask you this. Where did you learn your leadership skills at? Was it from previous organizations or was that just instilled in you? That's a good question. I mean, I think um, I've always been a pretty uh, voracious reader. 
uh, throughout my life. And, and, you know, a lot of, uh, I get too dorky, but a lot <laughs> of uh, uh, fantasy, um, sci-fi, a lot of novels, by Crane, et cetera. Um, so I haven't, I haven't gone down like the, the leadership, um, uh, you know, how to be a great leader, but I've tried to associate and be around great leaders. I've had the great fortune of working with the past two executive directors of Arch Grants, uh, Jim, Ginger Imster, who brought me on back in 2016, and most recently, and for the longest period, uh, Emily Lozenbush, who uh, came in in 2017, and uh, developing close working relationships, really um, uh, encouraging them to give me the feedback I needed to grow as a leader. Um, and I think they're both just outstanding individuals and, and, and did so much to drive Arch Grants forward. Um, and I think along the way, also just, again, reflecting that humility and knowing that you can learn something not just from, um, you know, the top level CEO, but from somebody working as a, um, at a till in a gas station. You know, everybody has something to offer. And I think opening yourself up to learn from um, everybody around you uh, will make you a better leader. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, just being being the fact that you're willing to listen, right? That you're you're open to to get to getting feedback. You're opening to hearing about other people. You're you're willing to you know put forth the effort to make yourself a better leader, whether that's through books, whether that's through podcasts, whether that's through having coffee with another leader and learning how they're leading their current organization through whether it's a pandemic or financial struggles or recruiting and hiring issues. Who you know who knows what it is? It's all about just talking to others and learning from them. I think you know that's a very good point that you bring up. Absolutely. Talk to me a little bit about, you mentioned books. You sounds like you uh, haven't went down the leadership uh, path just yet on, on reading books, but um, there has to be, have been something that has inspired you to be a leader of an organization in your past, whether that was a book, a mentor, a podcast, a video, or maybe it was just a past leader. What kind of inspired you to want to be the executive director for Arctur Ants? Sure. So, um, yeah, I had a, a very close mentor, um, a good friend. Uh, he, he passed away probably four or five years ago, um, but uh, he was influential in, my, in, in stoking that desire to be a, a leader in the nonprofit space um, from early in my life. So I think I, I first met uh, Dave when I was 14 years old. Um, he was a stepfather of a very good friend of mine and, and uh, just became a mentor and a friend and somebody that... I really looked up to in both my my young uh, my later teen and young adult uh, life, and um, he had started uh, the first needle exchange program in the country in Tacoma, Washington, uh, in the late '80s and the height height of the AIDS epidemic. Uh, nobody gave him permission or gave him a grant to do it. He saw a critical need in the community and went out and started uh, exchanging. Um, dirty syringes for clean ones in order to prevent the spread of HIV and other um, transmissible diseases uh, through the um, injection drug user community. And the the way that he came to that, the way that he went out on his own and made it happen, um, and then just his personal style of uh, encouraging me to think more circumspect about decisions in my life, uh, whether they're personal or, or work-related, and asking, you know, questions um was like well that sounds sounds like you have a you know, really strong opinion on that but why doesn't the person you're talking about share your opinion and what factors are they considering that maybe you're not um or if there's a you know an issue with a team member or something like that they will be asking well what you know is it, it are you not going with that team member on a decision because they 
because you really strongly you feel very strongly about it or because they're not giving you a piece of rationale that you need to make it work and how do you get them to a place where they are going to give you that that rationale or, or understand your thought process so it's more collaborative and not and not didactic so uh, right. yeah definitely uh dave was a big part of my my reason for getting into the nonprofit space and huge influence yeah, well, there's, it's always good to have mentors like that and people that you look up to to kind of help guide you on those paths. And so that's why I always ask that question. It's always interesting to see different leaders' perspective on kind of where they where they got inspired to be a leader or where they learned from. And so that's always always fun to, to ask that question. Yeah. You know, Gabe, I always end my podcast by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice. So if you could leave us with a piece of advice, whether that be on you know the nonprofit sector, the city of St. Louis, business or personal life, what would you leave us with today? Oh, big pressure. Uh, I think, I think for me, it's just, it's always about, um, what I'll leave you with is, is asking the why, um, constantly questioning what you're doing, why you're doing it. How could it be done better? Is there a more effective way to get, uh, to your, to your goals? And I think in the absence of, of asking why, um, we get stuck in ruts of, of mediocrity, of, uh, of non-innovative thinking. Um, so when we first ask why, I think that opens up more possibilities for growth, uh, which ultimately is, is what our grants is all about. It's, you know, we engage 300 judges every year because we don't know as an organization what's going to be great in the next five, 10 years, what's going to be most impactful. Uh, we democratize that process because we ask the why. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's very important to always ask the questions, you know, to your earlier comment, um, there's no stupid question, right? It's only, you know, it's only stupid if you don't ask that question. That's how you learn. That's how you continue to educate yourself. We talked a lot about leaders on this podcast about you got to continue to be a student of of whatever trade you're in. You got to continue to educate yourself, whether that's asking questions, whether that's reading books, whether that's podcasts, whatever it is. Um, you know, my father-in-law would tell you that the learning and education is one thing nobody can take away from you. Um, and so I think, you know, asking the why is a, is a great, is a great, uh, is a great piece of advice uh, that you've given us today. So on behalf of the ST Leaders podcast and myself, I appreciate you jumping on here and giving us 25 minutes of your time this morning to talk to you about Arch Grants and what you guys are doing for the city of St. Louis. Thanks, Brian. Really great to connect with you.